Welcome to NeuroMatters, the brink of Alzheimer's with Dr. Sam Brinkman. Our program brings together individuals who struggle with Alzheimer's disease or other disorders and noted professionals who can provide answers and timely information related to these disorders. Now, here is your host, Dr. Sam Brinkman. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Neuromatters, the Brink of Alzheimer's. I am your host, Dr. Sam Brinkman, and this program is about Alzheimer's disease and the dementias. We hope that it will be informative to you and uh, will uh, be a positive influence on your knowledge base and understanding. Uh, This has been an interesting couple of days. Um, I went with my family to St. George Island in Florida and we were expecting to have an internet connection in the place where we were staying. Well, as these things go, you live by the internet, you die by the internet. We were not able to come up with um, a repair solution to that internet connection. So I am sitting here in St. George in front of the uh, Lighthouse Museum and that's where we are broadcasting from through the um, wonderful equipment and technology of Voice America. So, welcome to the program. Our guest this evening is Dr. Ron DeVere. Dr. DeVere is a board-certified neurologist. He is a fellow of the American Academy of Neurology. He has over 30 years of neurology practice. He has a great deal of experience to bring to us. He opened the Alzheimer's Disease and Memory Disorder Center in Houston in 1993, and he continues this center in Austin, Texas since 2002. He was appointed by the governor to the Texas Council on Alzheimer's Disease. He is a board member of the Capital of Texas chapter of the Alzheimer Association, and he has been committed to addressing the public perceptions and understanding of Alzheimer's disease and other memory disorders. He is the author of two books, one that we'll be discussing this this afternoon, Memory Loss, Everything You Wanted to Know But Forgot to Ask, and the other he co-authored with Margie Calvert, Navigating Taste and Smell Disorders, a very interesting uh, uh, topic in its own right. Uh, This book is excellent. It's written for both lay and the professional public, and it is an excellent guide for understanding the nuances of memory disorders. The, the illustrations are excellent. It's a great teaching document. And Dr. Ron DeVere, welcome to our program. Thank you, Dr. Brickman. A big pleasure to be here tonight. You know, um, I have looked forward to having this discussion because the book that you've written is a book that I have wanted to see for some time. Practical knowledge that individuals who are encountering memory disorders for the first time uh, need to have available to them. So I know that with your years of experience and with your sensitivity to the well-being of your patients that this book will bless a lot of people. My first question basically is, um, refers to the opening of your book. You know, you talked about how Alzheimer's disease is presented publicly and I would, uh, would request that you expand on that just a little bit if you don't mind. Um. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, yeah, you, was, you discussed, for example, uh, a public program, a television program on Alzheimer's disease, uh, public discussions on Alzheimer's. Leave one really very, very depressed and down with very, very negative expectations. Yes. yes. Well, you know, the fear of Alzheimer's disease is an epidemic proportions, and it's now taken over the fear of cancer because I think uh, we all know that, of course, cancer is not a fun condition, but 
there are a lot of cancers that can be prevented, and you can be screened for it, and you can treat them. But Alzheimer's disease, at least from the standpoint of uh, discussion uh, amongst the public and science, we know it's a progressive disease. We don't know the cause, and we're not able to arrest it or cure it. So uh, it's a fear because uh, most of the information we hear uh, is uh, usually negative or it's talking about very late disease. There have been a number of television programs uh, over the years um, which um, have talked about Alzheimer's, but uh, they never uh, mention much about uh, how is the diagnosis made, uh, what are some of the conditions that could mimic Alzheimer's disease. Um, what we hear mostly um, on the media is that uh, it's a progressive disease. We don't uh, really have any treatment for it, and then eventually uh, you pass on. And so because of that, it's a terrible fear. And um, I think uh, what we're missing here is that uh, I, my motto in this business is uh, memory loss and dementia, the glass is half full. It's not half empty because there are lots of conditions that mimic it. I'm seeing a number of people in my practice, um, and I'm not uh, necessarily uh, pointing at any fingers, but many people get diagnosed as having an Alzheimer's disease when they don't even have uh, a dementia. They may have just an, a memory disorder. And so I think when people hear about memory loss, uh, the public does, that's the first thing they worry about. And uh, I think it's important that um, the not only is the information that we have out there pertinent, but there's also a lot of information that the public and uh, even family physicians are not uh, really hearing about, which is more positive or at least has a, a better lookout than just a dismal diagnosis of Alzheimer's. Uh, and I'm not belittling people who have the disease, but even those people uh, uh, may be short of information that they need to know about that could help their condition. You mentioned that the general public presentation is of the disorder in the late stages. There's a lot of living done before those late stages come about, isn't there? Oh, absolutely. I think the average uh, duration that's been talked about is anywhere from 10 to 15 years. Of course, it depends on the age. But many people, what's, what's unique in Alzheimer's, as you well know, is that many of these people don't have any physical limitations uh, or minimal as opposed to the Parkinson people who get dementia or the stroke people where they get physical limitations and uh, much more severe. And there are many Alzheimer's people who are still walking around, still communicating, uh, and, and are actually quite physically fit uh, than what we expect from other causes of dementia. And the fear is because they are physically fit, because they have good mobility, that the news of a diagnosis of Alzheimer's disease or simply the experience of memory disorder that they would presume to be Alzheimer's disease would cause them to withdraw from life and shut down the enjoyment of life. Am I understanding that right? Yeah, I think there are many people who get very depressed, and I think there are a lot of people that won't even go to a doctor in the old days, uh, which wasn't that long ago, we used to run memory screens uh, for uh, community. I did this in Houston just to get people to come and see and get tested, and it was free. And those were common, but in the last four or five years, nobody wants to know what their memory test is because they're worried about the disease. And so 
Um, I think there are a lot of people out there who may have trouble and they just won't go to the doctor, uh, and I could understand why. I think we have to uh, educate the public and say, look, uh, not all memory loss is not Alzheimer's disease. There are many things that are can cause it, and there and and everything's treatable, uh, as we know. Uh, not every, I mean, even Alzheimer's is treatable, so it's not totally hopeless. Would you uh, discuss for a little bit what some of the other conditions are that? can cause memory problem, can look like some aspects of Alzheimer's disease, but that may be perfectly reversible. Well, I think the, the big uh, factor, Sam, uh, as Dr. Brinkman, as you know, is that um, memory loss is, uh, or changes in memory are usually one of the most common causes of somebody to, uh, particularly themselves, but more important, family members recognize. And... Um, the most important thing is that these people need to get to the doctor and have their memory checked, and it's very important that not only they have a simple memory test that maybe the doctor does, but it's important to talk to the family um, and get their information, because if you just talk to a person with memory loss and if they score well on their test, then the doctor would have a tendency to say, well, I don't really see anything, I think you're okay. But uh, a lot of times, uh, as you know, people with memory disorders don't really see that there's a problem and doesn't have to be bad, and then the caregivers recognize it. So I think it's important the doctor take a history from the caregivers and get them to fill out a little sheet and describe what they've noticed, um, and then um, decide from a brief uh, exam, neurologic exam, and the family information, what is wrong with the person. In other words, is their brain normal for their age? Is it mildly impaired or is it more severe impaired? And if we believe it's mildly impaired, we may not know the cause because that doesn't mean it's Alzheimer's. So we go through our listing of conditions and tests that uh, we as uh, physicians, of uh, certainly in our field and psychiatry, know that have to be eliminated. And for example, strokes, uh, silent or noted strokes, which can be detected on MRI scans. Uh, one time used to be called nonspecific by the radiologists. In fact, they're still doing that. But we know that people with silent strokes who have enough of them can impair brain function because they're spread all over the place in the brain. And a lot of people don't even know they have it. Uh, the high risk factors are high blood pressure, diabetes, high cholesterol, and smokers have a much higher risk of those strokes. And again, I'm talking about ones that they don't even know they had. So that's very important. Um, some of the chemical uh, vitamins and nutritional deficiency, uh, B12, which people know, folic acid. Vitamin D now is becoming a real concern. Uh, we all think we live in the Sun Belt, but uh, there's a tremendous amount of vitamin D deficiency because our skin, as we get older, we don't absorb that anymore. And most of us don't take vitamin D in tablet form. Uh, we're starting to measure vitamin D in the blood, and uh, almost 75% of people are below 30. 30 is considered normal, including myself. Um, and it's been shown in a recent review, I actually reviewed an article in the literature on this, that vitamin D deficiency increases the risk of stroke, which in turn increases the risk of recurrent memory loss and dementia. 
So we're now starting to measure D in everybody. And believe it or not, 75% of the people we measure are below 20. Uh, and they wouldn't even know that. So uh, replacing vitamin D in tablets, which is inexpensive, uh, is very important. In fact, as you know, as a neuropsychologist, it's clearly been shown to impair executive function, not as much memory, but in reasoning and judgment and insight. And that can, of course, be pretty impaired in somebody who's uh, on a normal daily basis. So well, you are you acid. are exactly sorry. right. Uh, I'm sorry. You are exactly right, Ron. And it has been interesting in the last few years to see this increased uh, focus on vitamin D because uh, I I certainly have been impressed as well at how common the vitamin D deficiency is. Uh, we are going to go to break in just a little bit, and when we come back from the break, it might be helpful to our listening audience to to simply go through a chronology with you. So step one, a person or family members feel that there may be a memory disorder in this individual. So what is step two? What is step three? If you would take us on through that chronology, that sure. would be really helpful. We'll so do it. We are, that's great. And we are going to go to a break and we will be back in three minutes. So stay with us. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Where did I put my keys? What was I supposed to pick up at the grocery store? Why did I forget that appointment? These and other experiences cause us to wonder whether we or our loved ones are experiencing normal memory changes with age or whether we are developing significant cognitive deficits. The Gray Matters system provides an efficient, economical, accurate approach to monitoring memory and executive functioning in older adults who are at increased risk of developing dementia. Gray Matters may be used in a primary medical care setting, long-term care facilities, retirement communities, and other settings. The system allows for determining whether an individual's memory abilities and executive functioning are in the expected range for age and education, and whether these abilities have changed significantly over time. As a result, older individuals can be given the assurance that they are maintaining good brain health. Gray Matters is a caring, proactive approach to managing the worries of cognitive decline in older persons. Gray Matters. Screen for memory disorders or forget it. Every day we face struggles and issues concerning addiction, whether it's ourselves, family members, friends, or other loved ones. On Overcoming Addiction, Hope with Prevention, Intervention, and Treatment, Dr. Joe Terhar helps us all better understand the causes and approaches to addressing addiction with the knowledge that no single approach is 100% effective. From guest experts, families, and addicts, you'll hear about what is and is not working in overcoming addiction. Tune in Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. Your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Neuro Matters, the brink of Alzheimer's. To reach Dr. Brinkman or his guest expert today, please call in to 1 866 472 5792. 
That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send questions or comments about the show via email to sdbrinkman at hotmail.com. Now, back to NeuroMatters. We are back, and thank you for staying with us. You know, there are a couple of people that I need to thank, and I want to thank them publicly. Sandy and Carol, who is the manager of the Lighthouse Museum here, were so gracious to me earlier when I told them of my dilemma needing an Internet connection, and they set me up, and uh, um, I want you to know how grateful I am to you, Sandy and Carol. before the break, we were talking about a number of disorders that can cause memory loss. And uh, what I would like to do at this point is take that person uh, out in the community who thinks that he or she may be having significant problems or who has family members who feel that there may be significant memory problems. Dr. Ron Devere, our guest today, would you take us through the appropriate sequence of events from the time of suspicion of memory difficulties? Yes. Um, Again, I think people have to understand that we don't believe anymore in the word uh, senility, which uh, in the old days we would consider that when you start getting older, 70 and 80 and 90, you automatically start having major trouble with memory and judgment and all the parts of the brain that uh, we all understand. So I I, uh, don't have any guidelines because I think they're difficult, but my philosophy is that if you complain or you notice yourself that your memory is a problem or other people are telling you or people who love you as your family and good friends then you should have your memory checked that doesn't mean it's alzheimer's but it's like if you had a bad headache or a chronic headache or abdominal pain and it's not going away you get it checked and uh, i think that's my rule uh, for people who want to know what's considered normal as we age, well, a uh, simple rule for me is that you're having a little more trouble retrieving information as you get older. You know, you go to the uh, a cocktail party and somebody says, uh, well, we saw this movie, and you say, oh, yeah, I saw it too, and then you can't remember the name and you can't remember the uh, main actor. And then you go home, and 2 o'clock in the morning you wake up and you remember the name. So, you know, we kind of joke, we call that the aha syndrome. And that's yes. normal. That's part of aging. Our retrieval system isn't good. You forget events more. You forget conversations. You may lose your keys. But once you start doing that more regularly and you're noticing it, forgetting to pay your bills, and your family starts telling you, you should get a check. So the, the, the specialty people who do this almost all the time, which you don't have to go to, our neurologists, geriatric psychiatry, and the geriatricians, because they spend a lot of time looking at these kinds of cases. Now, that doesn't mean you couldn't show up at your family physician, uh, and that certainly could be done, and we're trying to educate family doctors as well to, to how to evaluate somebody with memory. So the first thing you do is you decide where you want to go. Best to bring somebody with you, because remember, if you have a memory loss, you may not remember everything, so we joke about that. And then you go to the doctor, and the doctor will uh, talk to you and find out why you're there and take a history. You, many Everybody's been to the doctor. You find out if you've got blood pressure problems and all that kind of thing. Take your medicine list. You drink any little alcohol. And the big one is, are you having a sleep problem? 
Do you snore, for example? Uh, do you have trouble where you drop off to sleep in the daytime more frequently? Uh, or you're having jerky movements at night that uh, your spouse uh, recognizes? Those are all important information because they could lead to changes in memory. So we get the history, and then the doctor will give you a little memory test in the office. There are a number of them. And uh, also, he's going to get the caregiver or somebody with you to explain to him what he's noticed. In, in my experience, the best way to do that is to give them a form that has questions about uh, sleep and memory and all that kind of thing. And it's, it isn't always good to talk about those things in front of, you know, the, the caregiver, the loved one, whoever the patient is. So we usually have them go out into the waiting room, fill that form out, and then in the meantime, the doctor can do his physical exam. And at the end of the uh, time, which should be 30, at least 30 minutes, if you expect to go in and get a 10-minute exam and make a diagnosis, that's just not going to occur. I think it takes at least a minimum of 30 minutes. And then the doctor will go over his score of your test, listen to the history, and then get the information from the caregiver. And at the end of that evaluation he should be able to determine, he may not know the cause of your problem, but he should be able to determine if you have a, you're normal or you're having a mild memory trouble or you're much more impaired. And the term that we use for that, as you sure heard from Dr. Brinkman's other talks, is dementia, which is not the name of a disease, as you know. It's just a category of quite impaired brain function. And in order to help that doctor... If you're not sure what level the person's functioning in, I'm sure you've heard from Dr. Brinkman, as that's where the neuropsychologist can be very helpful because he will do a long study, a detailed test as part of the value. That won't be the same visit. That's another visit. Uh, and help out. And then, uh, so if I say, decide that uh, Mrs. Jones has a mild memory loss, it's not normal for her age, I'm going to do some tests to try to sort out why her memory is impaired. And Alzheimer's is not going to be on my top list. That doesn't mean it's not in the consideration, but it's certainly not number one. And so I believe a standard workup for somebody who clearly has a memory disorder that's documented in the exam, or worse, more memory and other areas of impairment, um, I believe should have an X-ray of the brain, such as an MRI, or if you can't get an MRI because you've got a pacemaker or some other reason, CAT scan's okay. Looking for strokes, uh, blood clots, uh, rarely brain tumors, things like that. And they should have a pattern, a panel of medicines. I'm sorry, a blood test that I briefly alluded to, thyroid test, B12 and folic acid. You don't want to be sure there's no deficiency there. That can cause memory. We already said vitamin D. And also uh, a product that's been popular lately, you may not have heard of, called homocysteine. Homocysteine is a breakdown product of metabolism, and if it's high, it's not very good for the brain. It can increase stroke risk. It could also cause uh, uh, increase the risk of Alzheimer's. And so if it's elevated, we want to treat that, and it is treatable. Um, and also we, we measure, uh, as I said, the, uh, uh, I already said B12 folic acid. So that's the pattern, and then uh, we uh, get the test done, and you visit the doctor for the neuropsych test, 
and then you get your MRI, and then you get your lab, and then we, after everything's completed, which takes about sometimes two or three weeks, we have the person come back with the family and the caregivers, and we sit down and say, okay, what do we think is going on? What level are you having? Is it just a little memory loss, or is it more severe? And what we think the cause is. And we have treatment for everything. We don't always have a cure, but everything is treatable. So that's my uh, recommendation, which I follow, and I think lots of doctors who are interested in this field do that. The family practice doctor, who are very good, a lot of times don't have the time to spend 30, 40 minutes with the patient. It's not their fault. It's uh, a demand of care and Medicare. So if they uh, haven't had the time to do that and you go to them and they think there may be a problem, it would be a good idea to get a referral to, say, one of the other specialty, the geriatrician, the neurologist who has an interest, and maybe the geriatric psychiatrist. And there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, so that would be my approach uh, in uh, how a person uh, should be evaluated. Well, and I really appreciate, Dr. DeVere, that very thorough overview for the workup. Um, and um, I uh, would ask whether you agree with me that uh, any uh, case that's being worked up should go through all that you described as a minimum. Absolutely. Just because you're 90 years old uh, and have a memory disorder, that doesn't mean you couldn't have had some small strokes, you couldn't have B12 and vitamin deficiency. Now, the point I think the, the audience needs to know that just because it's, if you get a B12 that's low and you treat it, that doesn't necessarily mean you'll be normal. The problem is we know those are connections, and you certainly want to treat everything that you can find, including vitamin D deficiency, because there is a connection between cognitive impairment and these areas. So uh, the more we find, the more we treat. In, uh, in most cases, I, I think that especially with uh, the uh, older elderly, we find that there are many factors that are contributing to the memory difficulties, and uh, there may be a degenerative thing like Alzheimer's there, but uh, you uh, uh, alluded to, for example, sleep apnea and certainly various metabolic problems. Multiple factors can contribute to the overall dementia or the overall memory loss, and therefore multiple factors have to be treated. Yeah, actually, uh, in, in, in amplifying your comment, which is excellent, um, if I think you have a sleep disorder based on snoring and somebody notices that you're sleeping more frequently in the day and you're having a lot of kicking and jerking movements, which is recognized by someone else in the family or the spouse, then I would recommend a sleep study, and I probably would not even send you to say Dr. Brinkman at that time uh, for neuropsych testing because an untreated sleep disorder can cause impairment. So we want to see if you have it. If you do have it, that's treatable. And that may be with machine, uh, CPAP machine or treatment or pills. And then when we've treated that for two months, then let's reevaluate your memory. And if it's still a problem, that's where I believe uh, the neuropsychologist, which is Dr. Brinkman, of course, would come in because we want to get you at the point where we're not having any other contributing uh, medical conditions, even medicines. You may be on too, med too many medications uh, for your other diseases which are causing your memory impairment. And um, boy, that's, Dr. Brinkman, no, that's a very uh, common condition. It I is, don't and, have and memory loss, and I'm 70, and I'm on seven pills. 
you know, that is a common condition, and I really appreciate the listing in your book that addresses that specific issue. Yes. We, uh, we will have a break coming up in uh, just a couple of minutes, but uh, again, I, I um, want to emphasize, uh, for example, the, um, the sleep apnea issue. If you, we've all been sleep deprived at some point, sometimes for fun reasons, sometimes not for fun reasons. But the research has demonstrated that if, if you take young, healthy college kids and deprive them of sleep or just deprive them of the uh, slow wave sleep alone, for uh, 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 several days in a row, the, these individuals will have memory problems, and they will, and many of them will actually become psychotic just due to the sleep deprivation. So Absolutely. the importance of this, the sleep problem, cannot be uh, overstated here. So very um, treatable. Uh, when we come back after this break, uh, what I would like to go into at that point, Dr. DeVere, if you are willing, is um, to go through then those general medical causes and then the neurological causes. And um, and that the neurological causes, of course, are uh, a lengthy list. And then we'll talk about treatment following that. So stay with us. We'll be back in just two minutes. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Can grief be good for you? Absolutely. It gets your attention, helping you evaluate your choices and relationships. Your losses define who you are. Tune in each week for Good Grief with host Cheryl Jones. Our show features those who have made incredible transformations by grieving their losses. You'll learn how to find your courage and strength. You'll discover the important things in your life and how to let go of things that are less important. Good Grief airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health and Wellness. Where did I put my keys? What was I supposed to pick up at the grocery store? Why did I forget that appointment? These and other experiences cause us to wonder whether we or our loved ones are experiencing normal memory changes with age or whether we are developing significant cognitive deficits. The Gray Matters system provides an efficient, economical, accurate approach to monitoring memory and executive functioning in older adults who are at increased risk of developing dementia. Gray Matters may be used in a primary medical care setting, long-term care facilities, retirement communities, and other settings. The system allows for determining whether an individual's memory abilities and executive functioning are in the expected range for age and education, and whether these abilities have changed significantly over time. As a result, older individuals can be given the assurance that they are maintaining good brain health. Gray Matters is a caring, proactive approach to managing the worries of cognitive decline in older persons. Gray Matters. Screen for memory disorders or forget it. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Neuro Matters, the brink of Alzheimer's. To reach Dr. Brinkman or his guest expert today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send questions or comments about the show via email to sdbrinkman at hotmail.com. Now, back to Neuro Matters. 
Thank you for staying with us as we go into this third segment. We are talking with Dr. Ronald DeVere from Austin, Texas, a board-certified neurologist and author of the book, Memory Loss, Everything You Want to Know But Forget to Ask. When I saw the title of that book, I knew that I would love it. And this book is full of information that people um, in the lay public as well as in the professional public would benefit from. So, Dr. DeVere, thank you for staying with us. And um, as you uh, did in the last segment, you talked us through the sequence of events that have to take place for an appropriate workup. Now you have the data together. You have the history. You have the, the labs have come back. You have the imaging studies, CT or MRI. And uh, now you have to make a judgment about what's going on in terms of this person's memory difficulties. What kinds of things might, might you find uh, abnormal that could cause the memory problem? Well, uh, Dr. Brinkman, as we said previously, if you turn out to have a sleep disorder by history after talking to you, and we send you to a sleep lab, and they come back and say, yes, you have a sleep apnea, which is an obstruction to uh, air getting into your, your nose and your, your uh, lungs and your snoring, uh, or you're kicking in the middle of the night, and you don't know it, of course, you're sleeping, all these things disrupt sleep. And those are all treatable. If you have <clears throat> obstruction, <clears throat> excuse me, we, they give you a little machine that you could breathe at night to get oxygen in. If you're kicking and jerking at night, uh, you're, remember, you don't know this as an individual. You're sleeping. Your brain's not sleeping, but you're sleeping. Um, then that can be treated with medication. There are a number of medicines to decrease kicking movements at night. Some of them are in the Parkinson uh, treatment medication, even if you don't have Parkinson. Um, and the same with um, uh, wild dreams. There are people, normally, as, as you know, Dr. Brinkman, when we dream, we're usually paralyzed. Our eyes move. But in certain conditions, uh, people thrash and kick, and, of course, you don't know it, but the person next to you does, and that's also treatable, which could impair your sleep. So uh, that's easily treatable. And then if it is treatable, we follow them for two or three months and then have them come back and see if they've changed. Uh, if we do an MRI of the brain and it turns out that you've had a bunch of small strokes, uh, we look for risk factors. Are you checking your own blood pressure? You should measure your pressure probably once a week or have somebody in the family do that. Uh, if your cholesterol's high, be sure that's treated. If you're diabetic, that has to be careful. One of the biggest problems we see in people with small strokes who have diabetes is they have trouble controlling their diabetes because their memory's impaired. And so if you're taking insulin, you cannot control that. You're going to need to get help in the family. Again, I'm not a uh, savior of mankind, but if you're smoking cigarettes uh, or any cigars and that, it really is negative for your brain as far as strokes. Everybody talks about lung disease and cancer. That's true. But in regarding to the brain, uh, cigarette smoking is a big risk for multiple strokes. So we try to treat that. Also, of course, if you're having strokes, uh, we want to be sure your heart's in good shape may have to go to the cardiologist. Also, we put, as you know, baby aspirin or blood thinners are helpful in strokes. Um, then, of course, if you have B12 deficiency based on the test results or vitamin D, those are all replaceable with appropriate uh, uh, vitamins. And uh, we would follow that person, say, come back in two months or three months, see how they're doing. 
Now, there are a lot of people who don't turn out to have anything. They, all their lab tests are negative. They have very few strokes, but their brain is clearly impaired. And uh, the neuropsychologist says, well, I think you have very early dementia or your memory is uh, more than memory. So those people, we do have to consider Alzheimer's. But there is no test that says, you know, let's measure this in your blood. It's ha-ha, it's Alzheimer. We require some other tests. And one of the tests that we use that's been around for a long time is something called the PET scan, which is a uh, special nuclear scan that measures the amount of uh, blood flow and the uh, amount of the ability to pick up sugar in your brain. Our brains live on sugar. So if you have Alzheimer's, the part of the brain that doesn't pick up the sugar is in the temporal lobe and the back part of the brain, the parietal lobe, uh, and that's very helpful in the diagnosis in the 90% cases. Uh, so we rely on the PET scan if we're concerned about Alzheimer's. Dr. Um, DeVere, another, I, I would like sorry. to uh, in, interject one quick question here. Our imaging has, uh, you know, I, I hate to tell you this, but I was practicing when the uh, CT scan was invented. Uh, <laughs> um, the MRI has given us an appreciation for how many people have lots of microscopic strokes, you might say. Uh, they, yes. they refer to microvascular disease. Right. And this is, this is seen in the MRIs. How do you relate that to the symptoms? Well, the radiologists still, at this day and age, are calling them nonspecific findings part of aging. But there is a new technique that we don't do in the office or we do in, uh, as a clinical test called Diffusion Tensor Imaging, D-I-F-F-U-S-I-O-N, Tensor Imaging. And what that does, it measures the water or the fluid content that travels along nerves. If you can think of a nerve fiber like a highway, and then next to it is uh, a curb, and uh, I guess you would call a partition, where you have grass, they can measure the amount of water that's in between the nerve fibers. And what they found when they looked at the stroke people uh, on the MRI report, these little spots that are strokes, it was a ma major distortion of the axons or the nerve fibers throughout the brain. So those are not just sitting there quietly and doing nothing, and they're not nonspecific. Uh, based on the anatomy of where the areas are impaired, we can predict that there's going to be memory trouble. There's going to be trouble with reasoning and judgment. And so these small little tiny things, when they have a bunch of them, uh, are not benign. And, in fact, the evidence is now suggesting that if you actually have Alzheimer's in your brain, it may not even cause anything. There are people that die of Alzheimer's, uh, that die of other diseases, and when they do an autopsy, they find Alzheimer's. They never had the disease. But in the presence of stroke, that lowers your ability to reserve your brain function. And so these strokes are very, very important. And so we look at it mild, moderate, and severe in quantity. Uh, the mild, not a big deal. But people with moderate to frequent changes are very, very important in the cause of the patient's problem. Well, I really appreciate uh, Yes, I appreciate that information. Uh, let's switch now to neurological causes. If you could, in about three minutes or so, give us an overview of what, what different types of neurological disorders can cause memory problems. Yeah. 
I just want to make one comment and take a second. Yes, sir. If you're, if you're under 70 years old or even 80 and you're having uh, a course of memory loss and cognitive impairment and you've had some headache or you've been dizzy and you're not feeling well, in addition, we will look at the spinal fluid because the spinal fluid can show chronic infections, which are uncommon, fungus, uh, inflammatory. Uh, we still have to keep diseases like HIV in mind. Lyme disease, so it's not routine to do a spinal, but younger people or people who have an atypical course or they're getting progressively worse in a much shorter time, we look at the spinal fluid. As far as the neurological causes, uh, the ones that we think of um, are usually um, in uh, four or five big ones. We talked about Alzheimer's as one of them, Parkinson's disease, People with Parkinson's disease, uh, about 40 or 50 percent of those people with time, which could take 10, 20, 30 years, they'll develop gradual decline in memory and just look a little bit like uh, uh, dementia, and it can be from just Alzheimer's. I mean, sorry, from Parkinson's itself. Uh, you don't uh, get it and then develop Parkinson's. It's usually developed later on. Now, there is a condition that I think Dr. Brinkman has actually talked on one of his uh, previous seminars on Lewy body disease, which is a, some variant of Alzheimer, uh, of uh, Parkinson. And those people develop uh, Parkinson features much more earlier on, either a year before or a year after they develop dementia or cognitive impairment. And that's a different disease, as Dr. Brinkman, I'm sure uh, if you listen to his program, know. And uh, it also is a neurologic cause. And then there's another cause of uh, uh, dementia that we call frontal dementia, which is uh, usually seen in a bit younger people. It may be hereditary in about 20%, but usually it's atypical and it uh, presents a little differently. They usually have memory, they usually have personality change. They still could have memory loss, but again, it's a different uh, dementia. And then I talked about stroke multiple strokes, which can be uh, neurological. So those are the more uh, common ones that we see in neurology, uh, and we, they're not all easy to separate. You have to do lots more tests, as I've described, to sort them out. And I think my summary of this is, in 2014, we should be able, as best as we can, to make a diagnosis of dementia or no dementia, and what the cause is. And we have to strive very hard. Why is that important? Because, for example, frontal dementia, which is one of the ones, doesn't respond to the same medicines we use for Alzheimer's disease. Fortunately, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and stroke dementia are all treatable with the same family of drugs. You all know Aricept, Exelon, Namenda. But frontal dementia doesn't. And so if we don't have the right diagnosis, we have people taking those medicines for 10 years, and they never had the proper diagnosis. So in we fact, should be able to do know, that in 2014. You know, my experience has been, and I suspect that you've seen this as well, that many cases of uh, frontal dementia, because they uh, tend to be a little bit younger, actually um, go through the psychiatric or the mental health care system before right. neurological uh, situation is really considered. And, um, and yes. so recognizing that early on becomes so important. We are going to go to a break shortly. And when we come back, if you would not mind to talk about uh, 
uh, communicating or normal pressure hydrocephalus as well. That has had more uh, public press over the last couple of years, and I know that I frequently get questions about it. Yes. So uh, it will be interesting to have a discussion about its diagnosis and its treatment and the success rate of treatment when we come back. We will go to break, and we will be back in just a couple of minutes with Dr. Ron DeVere. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Where did I put my keys? What was I supposed to pick up at the grocery store? Why did I forget that appointment? These and other experiences cause us to wonder whether we or our loved ones are experiencing normal memory changes with age or whether we are developing significant cognitive deficits. The Gray Matters system provides an efficient, economical, accurate approach to monitoring memory and executive functioning in older adults who are at increased risk of developing dementia. Gray Matters may be used in a primary medical care setting, long-term care facilities, retirement communities, and other settings. The system allows for determining whether an individual's memory abilities and executive functioning are in the expected range for age and education, and whether these abilities have changed significantly over time. As a result, older individuals can be given the assurance that they are maintaining good brain health. Gray Matters is a caring, proactive approach to managing the worries of cognitive decline in older persons. Gray Matters. Screen for memory disorders or forget it. Find the healer within you. Listen for Chella's Chat with host Chella Zappia. Does your physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual life seem out of balance? Often this lopsided outlook is what drives depression, and that can lead to illness and other problems in your life. Chella's Chat is a discussion program featuring guest experts plus your input. All together, we'll help you understand that there is hope. Tune in to Chella's Chat every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Neuro Matters, the brink of Alzheimer's. To reach Dr. Brinkman or his guest expert today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send questions or comments about the show via email to sdbrinkman at hotmail.com. Now, back to Neuro Matters. Thank you for staying with us. We have had a very engaging discussion with Dr. Ronald DeVere, a neurologist and the author of a book, Memory Loss, Everything You Wanted to Know But Forget to Ask. This book is available through Amazon.com. That's where I got mine. So I think that, uh, that if you are in a situation in which you need to understand more about the, the wide range of disorders and treatments for memory dysfunction, I think that this book will be very helpful to you. Now, before our break, we began to talk about uh, normal pressure hydrocephalus. Dr. DeVere, would you talk about that for the listening audience? Yeah. Uh, the, <clears throat> the best way to think about this disease is uh, one of our famous uh, uh, Boston Pops uh, conductors, as many of you remember, is Ar- Arthur Fiedler, who was very famous. And 
back in the 60s, uh, his doctors noticed that he was starting to shuffle when he walked. So when he went out to the stage from the behind the curtain, it would take him a lot longer, and he had short little steps, and he started to have uh, trouble with his posture. And then a little bit later, he developed some trouble with his memory, but that his brain function was not an issue initially. So the diagnosis uh, it was found in his case was that the uh, when they did an X-ray of his brain, the spaces in the brain were a little bit uh, bigger, but more importantly, when they did a spinal tap on him, they found that the pressure was elevated, and uh, they were concerned about this condition, and they decided that uh, this is a condition due to the pressure not high, because they call it normal pressure hydrocephalus, but when they removed the fluid, he started walking better. And they said, wait a minute, looks like the fluid was under a lot of pressure. So the treatment in this case, and when he actually got better, was to remove the spinal fluid. However, that's not permanent because you continue to make spinal fluid. So they, a neurosurgeon, put in a little tube that bypassed the uh, fluid and got rid of it in the brain, and that's called a shunt. So the classic uh, triad of uh, normal pressure hydrocephalus does not begin with a memory disorder. So if you're having trouble with your memory and thinking and your balance and coordination and your urinary function is normal, you don't have normal pressure hydrocephalus. That's just the way it is. So you should have a slow and impaired walking. You may even look like you have Parkinson's. You're shuffling. You usually have major problems in controlling urine, although not always. And the memory and thinking is the last thing to develop. So that's a very classic prototype. And if we consider that's the diagnosis, we check the MRI, and then we do a spinal tap, and we take out a bunch of fluid and then send you home. And then if you start walking better over the next four or five hours, then we, uh, we feel that you probably have the disease. And then the surgeon could put the tube in and uh, correct it. Now, this is not a cure in all cases because nobody always has pure uh, normal pressure hydrocephalus. They also may have strokes and other reasons to have memory loss, but it does definitely improve, and you certainly improve your balance, your walking, and you're in control, uh, and some improvement in the memory. So we're alert. There are a lot of people who use that diagnosis a lot, but you must have this kind of a, a presentation, uh, not you know, uh, not just from an X-ray. You can't make that diagnosis. So all three symptoms: the um, the change in walking pattern, yeah. uh, shuffling gait or a broad-based gait or something like that, right. difficulties with controlling urine, yes, and and then the cognitive change, the memory loss. And when yeah. the diagnosis is right, and when that shunt is completed, it is really amazing how. Yes. Uh, uh, how remarkable the recovery is, how quickly after yeah. that. But I think the most important thing, Dr. Brinkman, is for the uh, listeners, is that if you just have a memory and brain disturbance and it's getting worse and you don't have those other features, you just don't have that disease. Yes. Because those people were shunted. A lot of those quotes, people who thought they had, they didn't get better, and there were complications of the treatment. So I think the neurosurgeons know that. Um, let's go into treatment for a little bit, since uh, shunting is a treatment for normal pressure hydrocephalus. Would you talk some about treatment of memory disorders? 
Well, if you turn out to have a memory loss, and that's the only thing we can find on your exam after going through the tests that we discussed, and nothing else is abnormal, we call this uh, mild cognitive impairment, which is a new term in the last 10 years, and that just means your memory's impaired, but it's not normal for your age. There is some recent evidence that a product that's made in Israel called Viacog, V-A-Y-A-C-O-G, which has a chemical called phosphatidylserine, seems to be able to stabilize the memory abnormality, and there may be some improvement, not a, not 100% by any stretch. Uh, but the point is that uh, we have to know that the prognosis for just a memory disorder in a person is about 40% of those people will stay the same. They may get better, but the other 60% will progress and develop dementia, which is what we described, and that could lead to Alzheimer's or Parkinson's. So from the pharmacology standpoint, the only thing that may help MCI is uh, Viacog. There is no evidence that the Alzheimer's drugs help people with just a memory disorder. If you develop dementia and you develop any one of them, uh, except frontal, the, we use the standard products, either Aricept or Exelon or another drug called Razodyne, and they all work the same. There's no evidence that anyone's better, and what they do is slow decline. They don't make you better, but they slow progression. And some of you have heard about Namenda, which is another drug in the treatment for dementia. We use it in the moderate to severe stages, and you add it to Aricept, you add it to Exelon, and so those two products are better than uh, one of them by themselves uh, as the disease progresses. Uh, so we use that. Uh, if you have B12, folic acid, vitamin D, of course, you correct those, and you want to be sure uh, the person is uh, improving because you could still have B12 deficiency and not get better when you treat it, that there may be something else. And we already talked about sleep disorders. Those are treatable. Uh, the other thing that the National Institute of Aging has looked at, and they reviewed all the literature on what we call the non-pharmacologic treatment. What is helpful to keep the brain working without medicine? And uh, this is not only for uh, Alzheimer's or dementia. It's also good for the normal population, everybody, even you and I at whatever age we are. Exercise, bad word, 120 minutes of aerobic exercise a week. The best exercise, sitting on a bike, uh, exercise bike, pedaling 20 minutes, three, four times a week. Get that heart up there. Get the heart rate definitely shown to keep the brain working. and brain Dr. Devere, I apologize. The engineer okay. is telling me that, that we have just a short time left. Okay, got so, it. Go ahead. Um, so uh, I appreciate that. You know, the, the research behind exercise has been very powerful and very eye-opening right. and other things as well and you're just going to have to buy his book to find out what those other things are. Right. We are we are very grateful to you for spending this time with us and uh, educating us and I look forward to a follow-up discussion with you Dr. Devere. Coming up for us next week will be a discussion on how to communicate with someone who has impairments in language functions and following that, we will be talking about medical legal issues. Again, Dr. DeVere, thank you so much for your time and for your very informative discussion. And I look forward to be, being back with all of you in one week. Good night. Thank you. Bye-bye. Ron, thank you so much. You bet. Talk to you later. Have a good trip there.
Thank you for listening to Neuro Matters, the Brink of Alzheimer's. Please join Dr. Sam Brinkman again next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk again next week.